Welcome to the My Chicago Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Rubin, and today's featured business is One Strange Bird, located at 2124 West Division Street in Wicker Park. I had chatted with Emily while I shopped in her store a few times over the years and just found her to be such a fun and interesting person. Little did I know how interesting her backstory would be. She's such a spontaneous, adventurous, and entrepreneurial spirit that I really admire. I thoroughly enjoyed learning about her time in Africa, all the way through to coming back to Chicago to take over One Strange Bird. Her figure-it-out spirit certainly helped her over the last year in navigating staying afloat during the pandemic, and she came up with several creative ideas to keep the business running. I hope you'll enjoy her story as much as I did. Here it is. So I'd love to hear the history of your business and how it came to be and just a little bit about what you do, what the, where the name came from and the whole thing about Africa I saw on your website. I'm really curious to hear the whole story. Yeah, well, it is a very long story. So I will just give you the condensed version. Um, back when my daughter was born in 2012, I started um making kids clothing. So in Africa, they have all these amazing fabrics. And so all of my leftover fabric from the dresses I made for myself, I would make her little outfits. And then all the baby groups, everybody was like, I love those. Where can I get those? And so I started um, making kids clothing and um, it, I started doing all the little like local markets and it was going great. And so I started scaling up my kids clothing line, um, which is called Kipapeo, which means butterfly in Swahili. Oh, that's a pretty word. Mm -hmm. And um, so then I was going to take it like globally. So I started going around the, like I flew back from Africa, brought a bunch of samples. What were you doing there? Um, In Tanzania. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly making children's clothes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I lived in Chicago and believe it or not, I was a, um, a a series three licensed brokers and futures and commodities and uh, a foreign currency trading specialist. No Uh, way. Yeah. So I worked for this company called uh, Global Forex Trading and I worked like, you know, in the Sears Tower on the 50th floor. And um, then, of course, the recession hit and things were not good. And I was like, I was miserable anyway. I mean, I worked all the time, but, you know, it was fun. It was interesting. Um, But it just in general, I was miserable. And I was like, this is not what I want to be doing. So I sold my BMW and I went to get my master's degree in development. And I flew, uh, I decided to go to the University of Kent, which is in um, England, but they have a campus in Brussels. So I went to Brussels and got my master's degree in international development, but with a focus on microfinance, like bringing in kind of my finance background. Mm -hmm. And um, from there, I went and worked in Bangladesh for, um, you've heard of Grameen Bank. Mm -mm. Um, So Mohammed Yunus, he won the Nobel Peace Prize, and he developed this uh, village banking concept where they give like loans 
to a small group of people. And then they're all responsible for everyone kind of paying it back. Hmm. So it's called village banking. Um, so I worked for a, a large organization over there and, you know, would go out to these small um, rural areas where they had village banking. And um, then when I was done there, I really wanted to go um, to East Africa. And I had been to Kenya and had worked there for about six months before I went to Brussels and climbed Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. Wow. Um, That was like my hurrah from Chicago. And then I went straight to Brussels um, from there. And, um, so I really wanted to get back to East Africa and there was an organization called Finca, which is another microfinance. Um, and so that led me to Tanzania. And so I was working for the microfinance in Tanzania and then, um, for a few years. And then, um, I had my daughter and then, I didn't know whether or not I wanted to go back into microfinance after, you know, I, I knew I wanted to take a little bit of time. So then, of course, I'm not good at sitting still. So um, I couldn't have guessed that. <laughs> my mom was like, if you have five minutes, you shove something in it. Like you, you're not able to just relax. So, of course, while I was on maternity leave, I just came up and like registered a business in Tanzania. Um and trademarked um, Kibapeo and, you know, started making all these kids clothes. I started hiring people to start sewing clothing. I want, I mean, I still have like a much bigger um, concept that never got to fruition Uh um, due to like circumstances. So, you know, that led me to making the, uh, the kids clothes. And then I, Um, started taking them back to the U.S. But then while I was in the U.S., I found out, I mean, like long story short, that Evie's dad was just just not having a good fit. And like, it was just bad situation. So when I came back to Tanzania, I was like, we're done. I need to, this isn't going to work. Is he Uh, a a resident there or is he an American? He's Tanzanian. Okay. And, um, then that led to a whole slew of issues and problems. But then I realized like, oh, I need to make <laughs> some money because he was the one that was, you know, like during that time um, was like paying all the bills and everything. And so I was like, okay, I need to go back to work. So this concept's going to have to like be put on the back burner. Um, but I continued just to work in like, um, so I got a job in global, like a global health organization as a consultant. Mm -hmm. So I was working on really amazing projects with like, um, reproductive health, HIV AIDS, um, huge projects, but at the same time, still, um, making my baby clothes (laughs) and selling them at markets. And so after like, gosh, two or three years, I finally felt like I had enough money and the, um, the company was going well and was continuing to grow just like organically. Um, I had a friend who was an amazing business in Tanzania where they have, um, 
all these looms. Mm-hmm. So they make their own fabric and she makes curtains and things like that. And she's Irish. So she was going back to Ireland and she wanted me to watch her business. And at the same time, there was like a small little shop area. And she said, well, you know, if you run my business for a couple months, like you can have this shop area. So hmm. I was like, oh, perfect. Like a little pop-up shop. So I think I flew to South Africa and I was like, well, I don't want it just to be like, baby clothes and you can't get a whole lot of good stuff in Tanzania. I mean, there's no like Gap or Old Navy or, you know, like Mm -hmm. people are desperate for stuff. So I went to um, South Africa and bought like just a bunch of like clothes and stuff like that and brought them back and set them up in the shop and had my kids clothes. And I started at that time also manufacturing um, my own jewelry line. And I'd had like a small pop-up shop, like, like a Tupperware sales yeah, uh-huh. in my house, basically. So I kind of sh- sent out like a really hokey pokey line sheet of like jewelry and got people to pre-order and just to see, you know, if like what I liked is what people like, mm-hmm. you know, and then I just started um, manufacturing this jewelry and brought in a whole bunch of jewelry and then my jewelry line started growing mm-hmm. and then the kids line was there. And then I started selling to like the Four Seasons and the Serengeti. So like the big hotel chains and then a bunch Holy of- Holy cow, this story is incredible. I, it's like <laughs> all over the place. That's and awesome. Then, and then I started selling to different shops in Zanzibar, which is like a small, very touristy island. I mean, we mm-hmm. don't get many tourists- in Dar es Salaam, mm-hmm. um, but uh, they're like all the expats and things like that. And if you know people, and then they all have parties and you mm-hmm. do like little fairs and stuff like that. And um, then, so that went really well. And then after like the three or four months, it was kind of like, okay, I should open my own shop. Mm-hmm. So there's a shopping center and basically it's a gray box, you know, like cinder blocks Mm -hmm. start. You have to design the whole place. And I built like a mezzanine so I could have people up there sewing and like a fitting room. And so my concept was like, you can come in and pick out your fabric, have, we'll measure you. We have different dress styles. And then in like two days, you'll have your own dress, you know? Um, And especially for all the people coming in that are like working part time and, and all of the places, there are great places where you can buy fabric and there are great people that can sew, but like to execute a dress and like the finishings, oh my God, the nightmare. Sewing dresses seems very complicated to me. Yeah. But I mean, it's like the finishing. I mean, there's always something weird, like the zip doesn't go down far enough, Mm. you know, like there's always something missing in the execution when you go to these, they're called fundies, these fundies to like sew a dress. Mm-hmm. And you have this great concept, but you have to go back like 20 times. You're on the side of the street. There's nowhere to try it on. It's dusty. There's tons of people. So I was like, well, why not have an air conditioned shop, a dressing room, you know, and mm-hmm. Me there as oversight, like, you know, the Mazungu way, of course, it's terrible, but like, I'm like, no, this needs to be 
fixed and this needs to be different mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. following up and yeah. So, um, everything was going great. And then there was a new president in Tanzania. And I don't even know if you know now, like they've made mm-hmm. wearing masks illegal. They, oh my. um, basically say there's no COVID into, I mean, like this guy, he was like, um, girls can no longer have birth control because schooling is free. And the concept link is have as many kids as you want because they can all now go to school. I mean, it's just out of them. Uh, you know, um, they started targeting like, um, gay and lesbian communities. And I mean, it's illegal, but like, it got really scary. They started just deporting people. They started kidnapping people. So it basically getting, that was like, oh, I think I need to leave. Moment. It was getting crazy. <laughs> um, like every day I was like, uh, who was kidnapped today? Like where people were gone for like a month. It was really terrible. So I was like, I think it's really time for us to start looking at making a way out of here and my so are you are you from Chicago originally no but you know during my uh heyday I had bought a condo the one on wood and division Mm -hmm. and had just rented it out I had two tenants over like 12 years oh wow (laughs) so it was great and my tenants were leaving um and so I was like okay I guess it's time for us like it's work, you know, it seemed mm-hmm. like that was working out. So that was three years ago. Okay. Um, and then did you start One Strange Bird shortly after you came back? No. So I was really dismayed at, you know, I still had my shop in Tanzania and. Um, oh, wow. You're still running still that remotely. Run that. And I was going back every three months. I did not really want to be in the U.S., I was like, this is okay. We just have to figure this out. I mean, school is great. Mm -hmm. That was easy. I had the condo. I was like, what do I want to do? I'm like, I'm so tired. I just built a shop Mm -hmm. (laughs) and everything. And then I had to like leave. So do you start from ground zero or what do you do? So I was like, well, all right. I already sold my jewelry to a bunch of shops in Chicago, like Komoda, Paperish Mess. Um, and I was like, well, let me just go around and start selling my jewelry again to places. So um, lo and behold, I walked into one strange bird and I started selling my jewelry to the owner there. Oh, so it wasn't your store originally. It was not. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I started selling my jewelry and was like, still like, you know, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Granted, this was like um, March. So I had been here a month. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. Yeah. Like I said, I don't really like, I had furnished a place. I had like to buy a car. We came with, I had eight suitcases. That's what I, uh, I would mean. Like we had no winter clothes. I mean, it was crazy. It was the dead of winter. I had nothing. Um, so, you know, in this month I like started selling my jewelry again to places, furnished a house, got Evie settled into school. Um, and then like what a month later, 
Um, so by May, the beginning of May, I had finalized to buy one strange bird from the owner. Okay. So um, was that March? Like two and a half months, I guess, after I'd been in Chicago. <laughs> because one day I like walked in and she's like, oh, we're moving to Florida in August and I'm closing the business. And I was like, oh, well, like, you're not going to sell it. What do you, I mean, you know, why not? Um, and she's like, oh, well, do you want, do you want it? I was like, yes. <laughs> I've done this before. I think I know how to do it. Yeah. So, I mean, I felt like everything kind of just, you know, as it does when you're like open to things happening, all kind of just came to, yeah, it, it all kind of just came together perfectly and I had already, I think I had rented the, my condo out for the summer because I do crazy things like that. And um, we were going to spend the whole summer in Europe. Um, just, I bought a tent <laughs> and I was like, wow, yeah. I love it though. I wish I, I, w- I would, I would be able to be a little bit more spontaneous like that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, some people may call it crazy. Some people, you know, um, yeah. So I bought a blow-up mattress, a tent, and um, rented out the condo already for the summer. And I was taking over the store August first, and we left like like right after Evie finished school or like left. A and this is twenty eighteen. This was twenty. 18. Yeah. And, uh, so we flew into Spain. I think that was the cheapest place to get a car and then just traveled around Europe for the summer. And I have a bunch of friends in France. And And so the um, the store just stayed shuttered while you were gone. No. So she still had it. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So we flew back July 31st, literally landed the night before, like, and I woke up in the morning and I like walked up, do you know, to one strange bird? And I was like, okay, I'll take the key. (laughs) And, um, they had their U-Haul like parked in front and they, I think they had spent the night in the shop that night or something. And they're like, they left and I took over the shop. So how has it been since you've been the business owner there? Great. I mean, it wasn't, much different than besides like, I mean, I love shopping. I love curating things Mm -hmm. and um, yeah. So it's been so fun just like running with things and uh, you know, implementing different ideas and concepts and um, adding different classes like this. So they did paint and sip classes um, before and mm-hmm. like birthday parties. Um, but I added in like different, um, terrariums and resin jewelry making and, um, just all kinds of stuff. And now during COVID, um, we were in Mexico when COVID broke out. And so I was like sitting in this Airbnb and Evie was sleeping and the stock markets were crashing. And I was like, oh my God, what is like happening? What am I going to do? We have no classes. We have no um, birthday parties. People can't come into the store. My online presence is nothing. I mean, really 
the, our website was basically if you wanted to sign up for our class. Yeah. I remember yeah. It, when one time when I was in your store recently, you were talking about the fact that people couldn't be in the store, gave you an opportunity and a, a window of time to set up an online shop and kind of pivot that way. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, like for the first eight weeks, um, I, so when I was sitting in bed at like, I don't know, I think it was like 12 or one, I was like, what can I do? I was like, what about like kids craft boxes? I was like, Smart. what can I do? And I just like, as, as I'd normally do, I was like, put on like, you know, social media and I was, um, yeah. So these craft boxes, oh man, they took over my life. Is <laughs> that a lot of work? My God, I, I said, we'll do delivery. I don't think I charged enough. I made five different craft box ages and every week. So that was 20 new crafts a week. That's a lot. (laughs) Instructions. I mean, like coming up with different things, the, the supplies. I went to Walmart in Mexico because I knew everything was going to be closed in Chicago and like loaded up on like construction paper and like all kinds of stuff because I was like, I don't know what, you know, I know I have a lot of craft supplies, but I'm not sure exactly what I have and like, what am I going to need? So I was like, oh, it's hilarious. Like, um, but by the first night I had like, so that night I got such a huge response. I was like, I better get this strike while the iron's hot, put it online. I had like 150 craft boxes sold. That's amazing. And I was not even in the US. And I was like, oh my God, I don't even have any boxes. Like, what am I thinking? I was like, I can make this work. Whatever it is, I'll just make it work. That's my life. I'm like, I'll just make it work. I can do this. Wow. So I flew back. I was like, ready to go. Let's do this. And I just started making craft. I think we made 250 craft boxes in the first like week and a half. And I was like, thank God, or else like I would not have been able to pay rent. Wow. I mean, it was seriously like a do or die. And it was just like, and then I would go home at night and put products online and try and think of like, what is the next besides craft I can make, but like, what is the next thing that we can do? You know? And like, thankfully there was like mother's day and I had enough stuff, um, then put online and my next door neighbor is a photographer. So I started using her studio to take, you know, pictures of boxes. That's great. And I mean, it's been such an amazing experience. I mean, just exhausting, but so great because it just pushed me to like go, you know, on one hand, it was such a torturous experience, but at the same time, it was amazing just to push me to levels I didn't even know. (laughs) Yeah. Get out of your comfort zone, try some new things. And I think one of the other things you pivoted and tried was doing the art classes outdoors, right? Yeah. So we did, um, I set up, um, a patio space out front that I, I I built and someone recently just drove their car. Oh no. 
<laughs> that was January 1st. That was awesome. Oh. I got a call from my staff being like, um, I think someone ran through the I mean, they like demolished the Oh, what a bummer. Uh, I was kind of like, you know, like it kind of seems like this would happen. Oh, man. What a bummer. Yeah. I'll just, it, it took me a long time to build that, but I will rebuild it. Um, but yeah, I wish I had had more energy in the summer to do. Like I started doing the paint and sip classes and everything all the rest of the classes towards the end of the summer and everybody it I mean, it seemed to love it. Yeah. And the kids art classes or the summer camps. I was glad to be able to just offer, you know, one hour classes Mm -hmm. for, for kids and just something different. I mean, it, I think for parents, for kids, for everybody, it was kind of like, what, what did, what do people need and how can I help? Yeah. <laughs> what can I offer to at least, you know, give parents a break for an hour or something? Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> um, yes. I mean, I really felt like I, you know, I need that. Everybody, like other parents, I'm sure need that. Just get a coffee and be out of the house. and For sure. So, yeah. So we'll see um, what happens now. It's, it's definitely much better to be open. I bet. I bet. It just, you know, it's nice to have the human interaction. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Whatever, however brief it is. Yeah. Um, For people coming in, it's nice. Um, And yeah, I think we've been able to weather the storm um, really well. And I think it's just, all about, you know, I don't know, like pivoting and innovating and just keep on going, you know? Yeah. Well, it seems like based on your story, you're no stranger to quickly pivoting and making it happen. So I'm glad you were able to weather this crazy year. Some of my friends were like, yeah, I'm like, you just kind of thrive in chaos. So (laughs) This isn't like a terrible thing for you, but it was tiring. But at the same time, I, I do love a challenge. And so where I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? How do I get it done? That's Mm -hmm. like, I love, I, I do love that. So it's kind of one of those things where it's, it's nice to be able to like work through issues and problems and figure out a solution. I mean, at least if there is one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we covered a lot of ground with your story. I know. Is there, is there I, anything else you want to share about your business before we jump into the nomination portion? No, I mean, I'm just really happy with all the like community support that we've had and um, being able to to still be open and still continue on. So, yeah, definitely. So do you have any businesses you would like to nominate? Um, I mean, all my fellow like art places, um, do you know, sacred art? Mm -mm. Um, so I think that would be a great one for you. Mm -hmm. Um, paperish mess over on Chicago Ave. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Komoda Mm -hmm. Sherry there is really great. Yeah. I know Sherry. Do you want more? That's good. That's good. (laughs) 
appreciate that. Well, thank uh, you. Girl, have you ever heard of Lost Girls Vintage? You know what? I think I, I interviewed Melissa from Zen Yoga Garage, and I think she nominated them also. Okay. Yeah. They're a pretty cool lady-run business. Any Anybody that's, yeah. That's go, awesome. go women. <laughs> I know. I'm a big fan of supporting women-owned businesses because we... We're a tough bunch. <laughs> oh yeah, and I was you know, I was talking to Laura from Wicker Park Inn. Okay, uh, that might be like a different yeah angle yeah like a, a shop, but like some of the smaller um, other businesses. But uh, but thank you yeah. for taking the time. It was I loved hearing your story. You have such a great background, <laughs> such a diverse, it's always uh, like kind of embarrassing where it's just like, so, not at all. I think to um, me, that sounds like amazingly adventurous. I'm very like, I've always had a very straight and narrow follow the given path kind of a gal. And I love hearing people who go out and travel and do interesting things. And you definitely have a really cool story to share. Thanks for listening. Isn't Emily super fun? You can find links to and addresses for her nominated businesses, as well as some additional details from the interview at mychicagopodcast.com forward slash one dash strange dash bird, or by visiting the podcast social media pages on Instagram and Facebook at mychicagopodcast. And of course, be sure to visit Emily at One Strange Bird at 2124 West Division. Hope to see you in next week's episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.